everybody. Welcome back to the new Passions Podcast. New format, reformatted all together, putting it together, getting it together. Um, today, I have a guest host. I'm Latara, by the way, if you think you forgot. But uh, I'm Latara. And I have Ashley here with me today. Say hi to everybody, Ashley. Hi, everybody. Hi, Passion fans. I'm Ashley. And I'm so happy to have Ash. has been like a long time supporter of the show. So I'm like thrilled to have her on and happy like everything we do, everything we do, like Ashley's going to be helpful and a part of it. So I, I appreciate you, Ashley, more than you know. Happy to be a patron. Love passions since I was 12. Yeah. And still love it. <laughs> yeah. She's a, she's a real passion. She's real passionate about passions. Like we are around here. Okay, and that's what we like around here. People who are passionate about passion. So this week we're talking about episodes 361 through 365, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you are yeah. those the episodes you watched? Because <laughs> those yes. are the ones I watched. <laughs> yes. Okay, perfect. So uh let's get started. This was a good week. Like I really I mean, I feel like I say that a lot of times. Some every once in a while I'm like, this was boring, like this was a boring week, nothing happened. But this week, we got some we got some yeah. interesting stuff going on. So let's let's talk about it. Let's start with magic because there wasn't a whole lot of magic this week. Um, and it's so separate from everything else. We go yeah. ahead and get into magic, right? So I'm going to start out with a summary. Uh, full disclosure, everyone. This week for the summaries, y'all, look, I'm having to do all everything by myself now. So, <laughs> so the summaries, I something had to give, okay? And what had to give was that I found summaries, like weekly summaries online <laughs> on like soapcentral.com or something. So shout out to Soap Central. Like maybe, maybe they'll uh, sponsor us. <laughs> Thank you, Soap Central. Yeah, but I, I used their like just the, the blurb for the week this week and just like took the main bullet point. So this week is the summaries are not, narrative based as much as they are just bullet points and then I added some stuff in that I felt was important so here's the summary for magic Hayes plan to have sex with Miguel while impersonating Charity goes south when Charity shows up and Hecuba's impersonation spell is broken Miguel and Charity talked about taking their relationship to the next level Tabitha and Timmy were horrified to learn that Charity and Miguel had talked about making love Doing so would make her come into her full power. Tabitha tried to seduce the tax man, right? So like, it's very different than how I normally do this. It's just like, these are the things that happen with no narrative narrative string, string throughout. We are going to add the narrative strings now. Okay, so let's start with Kay's, this plan Kay had to have sex with Miguel. This was stupid. And I said this last week, how dumb, how utterly... Yes ridiculous this stupid plan is because I don't know why she like how will this help you having sex with someone doesn't will not make you love you make well, not love only you. that which is 100% true not only that but having sex with with someone as someone else will absolutely not make that person love you like it, no. it might make them love that other person even more because like Miguel already loves charity and so he's gonna feel like he's um had this experience with charity and they bond like soul bonded right basically so I don't I don't know what where Kay's head is at honestly um but she has decided to go through with this plan right um and she tells Hecuba yes 
you know, I'll sell my soul to you to, to have sex with Miguel as charity. It's a bum deal. She's getting the worst, the worst deal. She's- this girl does not know how to make a deal. She needs to read Donald Trump's book, The Art of the Deal. She <laughs> She's in the double Ds. She's in denial and she's desperate. That's 100% true. Double Ds, denial and desperate. Du- triple D. And that's the- denial, and- dumb and desperate. Triple D. And that's the worst com- combination to have in a woman. I mean, yeah, or a, per- a person in general. She's just so stupid. So, um, she hesitates at first, like, oh, I don't know if I should do this. And Hecuba's like watching in like miniature form. That was weird. Hecuba like turns into a, like a miniature form of herself and sits on like the bedside table and like pretends like she's not watching, but like, I don't know, has like a newspaper or something. So anyway, Kane wait, go, decides I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. So she wakes up Miguel because he's sleeping on his bed. She wakes him up and tells him, ask Charity, Miguel, I'm ready to have sex. Like, <laughs> she's like, I, I, I thought about it and what we talked about and I'm ready to take our, our relationship to the next level. And Miguel is like, are you sure? He's, he's trying to get, make sure he gets that enthusiastic yes from her. You know, he, he's all about consent, this guy. And I love it. I'm here for it. Um, so he's like, are you sure that you want to have intercourse? <laughs> he doesn't use that word, but they, they might as well have. The way they talk yeah. about sex in this show, the, the, the well, language that these teenagers use, they might as well be saying like, I would like to have intercourse with you fellow teenager you know well yeah um i was watching this documentary about you know early 2000s how sex was coming into the tv for teenage kids and how you know how ex- sex was influencing these kids to talk about it and have that conversation with their parents and it was just like and was i think that documentary you were watching was that dark side of the 90s yes I watched that too. It was so good. I was actually just telling Laura about it, like literally before I came in here. It was Dark Side of the 90s, but that was a good, but they talked about like, not Dawson's Creek. I can't remember what she, oh, like Melrose Party, Place. And, um, Party of Five. Yeah. Party of five. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was so good. But yes, they, the, the, so Passions is trying to do that same thing, but it doesn't have like that fresh voice. It doesn't have a young voice. It has like a 50 year old's voice that's saying, don't have sex. Right. <laughs> like that's what this, the whole narrative is. And I feel like the shows like 90210 and mm-hmm. um, even like Dawson's Creek, the narrative wasn't necessarily like, don't have sex. It was like, sex is really something that you should be think twice about not necessarily don't have sex but we understand yeah. that kids do have sex you know what I mean yeah and it's a conversation it's a conversation that two people that really love each other need to have and really need to accept the consequences and be responsible to make that proper choice absolutely 100% so uh anyway back I'm, like, I'm literally like, just two like, notes I'm in like case case I'm like case Kay, Kay's like trying to decisions. rape Miguel. Kay's trying to rape Miguel. Yes. <laughs> she is. It's disgusting. And she, so she's back to like her old tricks with, with uh, a new spin on it. 
but this is this was her original plan this let us not forget this was her original plan sleeping with miguel was her original plan she was gonna like she snuck into his room in like episode 30 and like got in bed with him you remember that yes i remember that. <laughs> yeah. I mean- so she's just back to her original plan 360 yeah. episodes later which is wild to me but anyway um miguel keeps saying like are you sure are you sure are you sure and she's like yeah i'm definitely sure she's trying to make him have sex with her and uh he's like you've been a little pushy he realizes that she seems off charity because he sees charity and he hears charity but it's Kay's personality shining through because she's being really pushy and charity's not pushy like that and he's like something doesn't feel right he says you don't seem like yourself and then she, she also says like what do you mean I've loved you for years and so she lets that slip out and he's like we haven't known each other for years and she's like in my heart I felt it in my heart like I feel like I've known you forever and he's like oh yeah I feel the same way so we kind of wash right over that but Miguel did for a moment have an inkling that it wasn't charity but he of course but you know why would he think it wasn't charity there's no reason for him except for the fact that he knows magic exists and he knows that charity can be evil and has seen Hecuba you know what never mind he should know (laughs) he should know but uh before they start to have sex because Miguel is like okay let's do it I'm into it before they do Miguel's like I need to confess something to you it's about Kay and then he goes I once thought that I might be falling for Kay that I have feelings for Kay and that it that I wanted to like spend my life with her until you showed up and when you showed up I realized I never even knew what love was which dagger in the heart to Kay um I, uh, that's the only like tiny little speck of a moment where I was like oh girl this moment happened and Kay went okay gonna change my plan like she, so she starts saying, well, maybe you do have feelings for Kay. Maybe you should explore those feelings for Kay. Smart, 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 smart girl. This is the right, this is the correct path you should be taking when you're impersonating Charity. Trying to get her to break up with Miguel. Not trying to have sex with him as her. Trying to get him to realize that he should be with Kay, right? So she does that for a little bit. Um, but Mikel, Mikel, Miguel reassures her that Charity, her, he says, you, Charity, um, are the only person in my heart, and he, I have absolutely no feelings for Kay. Ouch, girl. Mm. Ouch. That can't be what you, that could not feel good. So they start, like, getting hot and heavy, making out, mm, right? And uh, then... Miguel's like, wait, I want to be safe about this. So he gets up, he leaves to go get condoms, presumably, which I I guess he wouldn't got them from like Luis's room, maybe. I don't know. But he leaves to go get condoms. Kay tells Hecuba, hey, Hecuba, you can split now. Like, I don't want you to watch us. Please leave. Hecuba's like, okay, well, the deal is done. I'm Your soul is mine because now you are going to have sex, sex with Miguel and that's all you wanted which is not true she wants to have a relationship with miguel not have sex with him i mean she thinks that having sex with him will cause her to have a relationship with him but But that is not what she actually wants but neither here nor there doesn't matter hecuba fucks off right she leaves says your soul is mine no refunds no substitutions okay 
No, no in-store credits, nothing. Okay. Your soul is sold to me. Leaves. Um, she also reminds her before she leaves that if charity shows up, the spell will be broken. broken. Very, very important. The spell will be broken. Um, I called it a doppelganger spell. At first, I call it impersonation in the thing, but in my notes, I call it the doppelganger spell, which I like better. Um, so this is what's going on right now, right? Yeah. Charity, meanwhile, <laughs> Charity's <laughs> having these fucking premonitions, these visions of her in bed with Miguel, like, and they're about to make love. And she's so confused by them. She's trying to figure out, like, is this my subconscious telling me that I should have sex with Miguel? Is this happening right now? And I'm just not there. Like what? She's so confused. And then she asks Tabitha for advice because Tabitha and Timmy are outside of the house collecting recyclables because they are dead broke. So they're collecting cans and bottles and stuff to go and sell, you know, and get money back for recycling. She sees Tabitha. She asks Tabitha for sex advice. Well, I, I, I'm trying to contemplate what made her think she was the adequate person for sex advice. I mean, she could, she could have gone to anyone else. She could have gone to Grace. She could have, but no, she goes to Tabby. To to be fair, to be fair, she did say she was looking for her Aunt Grace, but Aunt Grace wasn't there. To, To her credit, she did say that. But then she she proceeds to have this conversation with Tabitha. And she tells Tabitha that she's been having these visions that, and that she thinks it might mean that she needs to take her relationship to the next level with Miguel. And Tabitha tells her, you know, I didn't lose my virginity until I was in my 30s, until after my I was 30 years old. And uh, Timmy's oh, like, you know, he's like in his doll form. He's like, yeah, right, Tabby. Because we, like, we get like, get like this weird, this weird flashback of Tabitha chasing Attila the Hun around to like seriously. I have, try and have, I have sex no with him. Idea. I have no idea where these writers get these ideas from. I mean, so and honestly, I, again, I don't know how old Tabitha is because they say three hundred, but she's old. She's clearly um, over three hundred years old if she was like chasing yeah. around Attila the. Attila the Hun when she was a teenager. She, yeah, probably maybe five or four. She's I don't know. Lying but, about um, age every day. She, she tells Charity, you know, virginity is a very important thing. You only have one virginity, and once you lose it, it's gone forever. She gives her the speech we all get, right? <laughs> she gives mm-hmm. her the speech every American girl gets. I'm sure in other countries they do too. But every, like, American girl that grows up in, like, a Christian home gets like this speech about, and I'm probably in other religions, religions too, but I, I grew up Christian. So that's what I can speak to. Yeah. Um, this speech about how important your virginity is and how once you lose, once it's gone, it's gone forever. And this is like, is really, is it really that important? I, I truly and wholeheartedly believe that people should not have sex until they are absolutely ready. Um, mm-hmm. And that they are, in a mutual and respectful relationship with that person in, in whatever way that means, even if they're not like monogamous, but they are on the same page about what it is that they are doing. As long as they are two consenting people, especially after the age of 16, really is like, once you are two consenting people, I don't think it's necessarily the smartest thing to start having sex early as a teenager. I, d- I did not because 
I was brainwashed, y'all. I was like, I'm waiting till marriage. Mm, that did not work out. <laughs> Didn't work out for me, but I was a virgin for a, like a long time, way longer than most people. I was in my twenties when I lost my virginity. So, you know, the, the speech works. The speech <laughs> works. Uh, Tabitha gives her this speech about sex and life and, and warns her, you know, you might lose your reputation if you start having sex. It's, you know, it's the... It's the run of the mill. We've heard this before. The, 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 yeah, the double yeah, the double standard thinking that once women have sex, that they're a harlot or like they or like they like get tainted. That that tainted, that right? Tainted or like, and, and that's just such a mis double in, in contrived double standard between women, men and women at that time. Thinking that if I sleep with someone, yeah, as a yeah, man, like yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was very and I and growing up when I was a teenager it was very much like if a boy had sex with a girl, like he's not he nobody's gonna call him a slut. But if a girl has sex with a boy, people will very be very quick to call her a slut or a whore or a hoe. What you know what I mean? But he's like, if he has sex with multiple people, it's a good thing for him. But if she does, she's a slut, right? Yeah. So yes, that double standard. But anyway, um, despite Tabitha's warning, because Tabitha thinks she's gotten it, gotten the job done. She's like, no way. And, and remember, everybody, the reason why Tabitha does, Tabitha does not give a fuck about premarital sex. She does not care. Her yeah. problem is if Charity has sex with Miguel, she will come into her full powers, which again, I will reiterate because we talked about this a hundred episodes on this show ago we talked about this and I said and I remember exactly what I said which is I don't know how having a dick inside of you could possibly make you any more powerful if there's one thing I know and I'm gonna repeat I'm gonna repeat this because I believe it in my fucking soul if there is one thing I know for sure it is that dick makes you weaker it makes you a weak person okay is it cannot be anything that strengthens you and strengthens your resolve i mean whatever but i'm just saying i, I mean, have made i essence, have made many I mean, uh many a mistake after having sex with a man okay that's all i'm gonna say I, I've, I've made a bunch of decisions that i should not have made after i'd had sex i had had sex with a man so that's all i'm gonna say about that Okay. Is I guess like Tab is probably referring to the essence of the moment or essence of the power that, that the moment could bring. I don't know. But it's I dumb. think it's ridic I think it's ridiculous. I, I, I mean, hate it. They could they could have done a different round with that. I mean, like Yeah. There's so many ways you can do that. Like, There's so many things to say, like she's gonna come into her full powers when she turns a certain age. She's gonna come like into her full powers when she's experience true sacrifice or something yeah or if she, if, if she discovers her if she discovers her powers and like works at it you know then she will come into her true power she, like does she, I, I mean she does already kind of have powers doesn't she i mean i well she'll come into her full powers that's the thing right now charity charity has plenty of power 
and she hasn't even come into her full power. And that, I think that is what scares Tabitha is that Charity is having, already is having all of these psychic visions. She's already able to kind of do things that she doesn't realize she's doing. And she's not even fully, fully powered up yet, right? What happens once she's fully powered up? That's what Tabitha's worried about. Tabitha's like, once she comes into her full powers and recognizes her full potential and powers, we are done for as evil doers, bad doers. She's going to come for us. Yeah. It makes zero sense. So, anyway, um, Charity disregards Tabitha's advice because Tabitha's like, just go upstairs, take a rest. Don't even go see Miguel. Because Charity's like, maybe I should go talk to Miguel about this. Maybe, you know, and Char uh, Tabitha says, no, 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 no. Don't do that. So Charity disregards this and she goes over to Miguel's house, right? And uh, Tabitha realizes that Charity is not at the house at one point. And she's like, oh my God, what am I going to, like, where did she go? I'm sure she went to find Miguel. So she goes flying through the town trying to find Miguel and Charity, and she runs into the book cafe one at one point and is, is like, Whitney, Simone, Chad, have you seen Charity or, or Miguel? It's very important that I find them. And they're like, oh my gosh, no, we haven't seen them. <laughs> like, sex, sex, sex. All you kids think about is sex. <laughs> All you kids oh. think about is sex. And uh, so then she rants and runs out and figures yeah. out that Charity's gone to Miguel's house. So let's go back to Miguel's house where... Miguel has gone to get the condoms and Kay is just like in his room, hanging out, waiting for him to come back as Charity, right? Then she's looking at herself in the uh, full length mirror and she sees Charity at first and then she turns back into herself, right? All, and so- All I can say is the matching effects are cool in, 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 this, in this show. It's definitely overrated and definitely needs to be appreciated. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, it needs to be appreciated. Right, right. I don't the know. transforming and the, and the people in the basement, whatever they are. Yeah, yeah the demons in the basement. It's, it, it's definitely interesting, special effects. Yes, she's looking at herself in the mirror. She changes into herself. She changes back and she realizes, oh my God, Charity must be here. She must be nearby. <gasps> and so when Miguel comes back, somehow she manages to put her hands over his eyes before he sees her. And she's like, oh, I've got a surprise for you. Lay down on the bed um, and close your eyes, blah, blah, blah. So she, he lays down on the bed, closes eyes. Kay goes into the closet because Charity's coming in the door, the, the bedroom door. So Charity comes into the bedroom door. He opens his eyes and he's like, do you change clothes? <laughs> he's like, is your surprise that you changed clothes? And she's like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? I just got here, Miguel. And he's like, no, we were about to have sex. She's like, no, Miguel, I just got here. I came to give you this gift. And he opens the gift and it's a, a picture in a, a nice frame of the two of them. It's sweet. And she says to him, you know, you must have just been dreaming. He's like, it was really real. I felt like I was kissing you, holding you. I could feel your breath. So on it you. was a good. It was a good explanation. I mean, was it? I I I, I almost believed it. Uh, I didn't. But Kay Kay has like nine lives. That girl is and lucky and not getting caught. Yeah, well, I can tell you that much. That's that that that's true. She's how she managed this one. I you know whatever. But uh, Charity tells him 
you must have been sleeping. That mu you must have just been having a really strong dream because I've been having these visions of us having sex. And like, I guess because we're so close and so connected that we were basically, basically having the same vision and you were connected to my vision and dreamt my vision. And um, yeah, I know it worked for you. It doesn't really work for me because Miguel was like in it, right? Like he was yeah. holding her. Charity knows she was having a vision. She's like, oh, that, yeah, that's weird. That's a weird daydream vision that I'm having. Um, so uh, Miguel buys this. He's like, I guess, I guess I could have just been dreaming. And uh, they sit down on the bed and she tells him, maybe this is our subconscious telling us that we need to have sex. Maybe it's time, Miguel. And he's like, okay, yeah, maybe it is. And so they start to like, start doing it. They, they, they start making out on the bed and they're, they're getting into the, the romantic mood, right? And I hate to say this, poor Kay is in the closet. I, hate closet. To say I thought she was in the bathroom. Well, poor <laughs> Kay is like standing in the closet, watching them do this. And uh, then her phone rings, right? And she answers mm -hmm. the phone. They and they come to the closet like, what's that phone? Is that the is there a phone ringing in your closet? Because they they hear it and then it stops ringing because she answers it. And yeah. Miguel says, oh, it must be Teresa's phone in the next room, right? <laughs> Again, does not work for me. Doesn't work for me, yeah. but okay. So they get back to getting it on, and while Kay's in the closet, and uh, Tabitha shows up. And she looks through the window and she sees that they are trying to have sex, right? That they're trying to like get in the romantic mood and making out and heavy petting. And she's like, we got to do something to stop this. We have to stop this. And she and Timmy start banging on the window and banging on the side of the house, just beating the house, hoping that the sound will make uh, Miguel and Charity stop. And uh, yeah, that would definitely stop me in my motherfucking tracks. And oh, it didn't stop the these mood. two. <laughs> did, yeah, it would definitely kill the mood. It would. It did not stop these th two. They didn't. No, hear they were, it. I guess they, they didn't hear own, it. They were on in their own little world. They're they in their love in bubble. The, they, they were in their dream. They, they were, were in their in love this, bubble. They were in the vision. Yeah. So she was like, "Okay, that didn't work, Tabitha." She says, "This okay? This doesn't work. <laughs> what if I pry this window open?" so that the sound will travel to them better. <laughs> so she wants to open the window so that when she bangs on the house, that they'll be able to hear it more clearly. But what happens is she opens the window and just falls through. I, and I burst out laughing. <laughs> Look, I don't understand this show. I was like- I burst out laughing at how ridiculous. Like, why not, why not ring the doorbell? Right. Why not like make up an excuse why you're there and, and ring the doorbell and they have to come down or call the house like to stop it. Why not do that? So anyway, she's inside they were of desperate. the room. <laughs> she's in there and they're like, Tabitha, oh my God, what are you doing here? What happened? Like what happened? And she goes, oh, I was collecting cans and I reached for a can and I lost my balance and I fell through your window. This doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense. 
these juices are like oh god and they both just kind of are like oh okay yeah that makes sense and so charity walks her out uh, to the living room miguel puts on clothes because he was already like naked miguel goes to put on clothes nearly catches k in the closet but he doesn't then he goes out to the living room k escapes out the window and all is all is well well and right with the world okay yeah. so these two haven't had sex and nope. Kay didn't get caught and Tabitha is doing Tabitha so before Miguel came out into the living room Tabitha takes this moment to talk to Charity and say you know I know we were having that conversation about you having sex earlier and I was thinking is that what your dear departed mother would want for you was oh, she that want was- her her daughter to lose her virginity so young and now oh. that that was a per like that's the perfect it was thing to say. it was a perfect thing to say but it was also a low blow well on, she's on, a witch on, she's I an got, evil witch on, on, on tabby's part sorry i love you tabby but that was a low blow she's an evil <laughs> witch she also killed a man in these in these episodes it's not yeah, this is yeah, the yeah. least of what tabitha did in these episodes yeah. right but yeah she she tells her you know is that what your mother would want for you really and it makes charity think and it works like it really works so tabitha leaves miguel comes out like what like where were we (laughs) and then (laughs) charity's like uh actually miguel i've been thinking about it and maybe maybe we shouldn't maybe that was a sign that we shouldn't have sex and he's like you know what i'm ready whenever you're ready so don't don't you worry about it i already told you I can wait for as long as I need to wait. So that's where they are. And uh, they everybody ends up at the book cafe. The, the, <laughs> the kids, everybody ends up at the book cafe. And that's really where we leave it with the kids this week. But I, we do need to talk about Tabitha. Because Tabitha and Timmy Ooh. are g- going around town collecting cans, as I said before. Recyclable. Because they're poor. Because Re- they're poor. Yes, because they don't have any money. Because Tabitha doesn't have any powers anymore. Um, so... The t- they've been collecting cans. They come home and they're looking at the, their haul for the day. I don't know, $15 or something. And the tax man shows up, <laughs> knocks on the door. She goes and she says to Timmy, you know what? I'm going to have to, dun, 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 dun. I'm going to have I, I love Tabby and I love her magic, but I don't, I highly put no faith in her seduction skills whatsoever i, I loved this i loved this it was, was like i guess i gotta break out these old girls again <laughs> and, like, and it was it was funny i was doing my i was gonna do my taxes that night when i was watching the tax tax man episode <laughs> yeah i need to do my death, taxes. To, death to taxes the tax man so she goes to the door tries to seduce him brings him in says hey come on in i got some i got some money for you i got some other things for you she's like um maybe there's something we can work out and he's like literally says to her your attempt to seduce me makes my skin crawl ouch and so then she tells timmy she goes to the kitchen to like get him some water or something she tells timmy I think it's time we introduce this tax man to our friends in the basement. basement. And so she says, you know, hey, Mr. Tax Man, wait a minute, Mr. Tax Man. Wait, (laughs) Mr. Tax Man. She tells Mr. Tax Man that something fixed in the basement. Uh, So 
Hey, Mr. Taxman, look and see. Is there something in my basement for me? <laughs> she needs come and see the friends in my basement. No, she tells them there's something in my basement I need to be fixed. And I am just so old and frail and I, I live alone. And he's like, well, it's actually such a, a, a good investment for the for the government because we want to make sure the house is in good shape when we foreclose on it and take it and sell it at auction. So she sends him into the basement and then the friends in, in the basement like drag him to hell. And he's like holding on to the side of the door like, help like, what me, are you doing to me? Help. What are you doing to me? And they take him, oh, and Tabitha then takes his shoes, his, he, everything. They take everything but his shoes. And she takes his shoes. And then we find out that Tabitha has a collection of shoes from people that she has fed to the friends in the basement. And Timmy asks her, what is this? She's just like, people who have annoyed me over the years. There's like shoes of a paper boy, like a, a Jehovah's Witness or something. Like, <laughs> I'm surprised. Can we say, how many shoes do you really have, Tabby? I mean, it's like it's crazy. So uh, Timmy finally, t- so Tabitha starts like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? There, another tax man will be coming. Like this Fine. is, this was a temporary fix. We have a, a big problem. Timmy says, you know, Tabitha, I think it's time I tell you, I actually sold your book <laughs> to HarperCollins. And uh, Tabitha starts to panic. She says, that book, not only exposes everybody in harmony, but it exposes me as a witch. You've signed our death warrant, basically. Um, so yep, me and me and uh Ashley both have our books. Both <laughs> books. Uh, but I and I'm we're here, we're there at the story. I mean, they're in the show now, so I'm gonna start reading this. But um, yeah, that's where we leave it with. Tabitha she's panicking because she thinks she's going to be outed as a witch and burned at the stake basically or whatever people do to witches in modern times right so let's now move on unless you have anything to add you got anything to add Ashley uh I actually like Hecuba she's actually pretty awesome to me oh yeah I love Hecuba I love all the witches in this show I I haven't seen her episodes but she's highly enjoyable Oh, this is the first time you see, have you not watched it from the beginning? No, I, I'm still on episode 80, 80, 80 ish. I, I, I've been busy. Oh, <laughs> I thought you had seen all of this before. I have seen, I mean, just like bits and pieces. I haven't seen all the way through because, you know, because it, I, oh. I started late. I started late. I see. You started later in the show and you're, you're re-watching I, now, I, but you're only up to episode 80. I understand now. I yeah, there's certain, as- there certain aspects I remember of the old episodes and there's certain aspects that I don't. Hecuba was one of them. Understandable. I- Fully understandable. But All right. I, first time seeing her, I enjoy her. She's fabulous. I she's she's genuinely fabulous, and I really yes. both of the witches are fabulous. They're both just like yes. fabulous people. I just love the way they dress. I love the way they do their hair. I love the way that they just like move through the world. It's just well, fantastic. Awesome. Yes. All right, so let's talk about shoeies. Poor poor oh. poor poor Sheridan. What you gonna oh. do? Things look bad for you. Hey, what you gonna do? Poor Sheridan. Things are not looking good for oh Sheridan. My God. Okay. So here's our summary. Again, I'm just kind of doing bullet points. Yes. In her coffin, Sheridan remembered being shot, but wondered why no one could hear her. 
She hears people talking and realizes everyone thinks she's dead. Pierre shows up to the church to make sure Sheridan is truly dead and is attacked by Luis. Luis lashes out against the cranes for not caring about Sheridan when they try to kick him out of the funeral. Sheridan cries out for help as her coffin is lowered into the ground, but no one hears her cries. Sheridan then remembers planning with Hank to stage her death in order to catch Roger and Pierre. Hank's plan to fake Sheridan's death goes south when Roger and Pierre tell him they know he staged everything. So that's the, that's what happened this week in this. Let's run it. Let's run it down. Let's just run the whole damn thing down, huh? Why don't we? Yeah. How is this medically possible? It's not. How is any this show? Please, Ashley. Please look. It is absolutely not in any way in any universe is it possible, and that I'm just gonna have to live with. <laughs> like, I, I look. It, it, we we got to go with it. We have to go with it. They're gonna ex- and they're gonna explain it. You ha- you haven't seen any of this. No, uh, but once I got to the last, once I got to the 60, 364, 65, I was like, what? It's like. They, they will, they will explain it kind of. It's still, of course, it's completely impossible, but the explanation, the explanation works for passions, if that makes sense. Yeah, but major twists and turns with the, with this with this Chewie storyline, like, wait, she's dead? Like, no, yeah. wait, is now, she in a coma? No. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 so yeah, since I had already seen it, I already knew that Sheridan was going to be buried. Like, this was huge. This was a huge storyline. Yeah. Sheridan being buried alive was like, oh my God, this... I got to get home to see if they get Sheridan out of there, right? Like, yeah. oh my God, Sheridan's going to be buried alive. Sheridan's like, every day was like, I got to go home. Sheridan's going to be buried alive. So it's and like... they did it. So um, we're at Sheridan's funeral. And she realizes she's in a coffin. She's like, I can't, I kind of feel something. And it feels like, is that satin? Is that silk? Like, what is it? Am I in a box? And then she realizes, oh my God, I'm in a coffin. And then she's like, wait a minute, am I dead? And this is hell? Like, am I actually dead? Which I understand that. I feel like I would have the same kind of confusion because she's been, basically she's been drugged, right? So she- Mm -hmm is waking up and doesn't understand what's going on. And if I'm in a coffin, I realize I'm in a coffin, but I can't mm-hmm. move, but I can still hear and see or think. I, I might think, yeah, I'm in hell. Like, this is my punishment. So that's what she thought. She's like, this is my punishment, basically. And then um, Hank comes to the church, sits with Louise for a little bit. Louise starts saying, hey, man, look, I only need five minutes. He's looking at a picture of Pierre. He's like, I only need five minutes with this asshole. And then when I get five minutes with him, I'm going to make him tell me who he was working with. And then I'm going to kill him. And Hank can hear in his voice that um, Luis ain't playing. Luis is dead serious. Like, I'm going to murder this person. And uh, he's like, oh, I got to get Luis out of here. So he asks Pilar to get Luis to go home. So Pilar pulls him away from the, the um, coffin and says, why don't you take a rest? Why don't you take get some air? Let's go stand outside. And so she gets him to go outside. While they go outside, Pierre comes into the church, shows up to the <laughs> church. This is just inc- insane to me. Pierre shows up to the church, walks over to Sheridan's coffin, 
looks in and is like, I got to make sure that you are dead. And then sticks a pen in her hand. Uh, what? First of all, she's breathing. Let, let me be clear. I could see Sheridan Crane breathing a lot. Okay. I could see her chest moving up and down. She, she was very obviously alive. I know yeah. that, I know that that's just because the actress was like, had to breathe, but she's clearly alive. Number one, number two, what is pricking her with a pen going to prove? What is, I guess he thought that she would have a reaction and that they, but you could just touch her body and see that she, her body was warm. You would, mm-hmm. if she was alive enough that when you pricked her, she would have a reaction you could just touch her right mm-hmm. yeah or whatever whatever i don't care or or with the pen. he's like she's definitely dead or or mademoiselle Clayne. ha ha and then um louise comes back into the church cuz pilar has told him let's go home he's like okay i got to go get my jacket and um he comes back into the church and he sees Pierre by the coffin he's like who the hell is that he goes over he's like what the hell is he doing he sees him prick the pen and shared and he comes over and he sees his Pierre jacks him up and starts choking him to death it was awesome it was awesome I loved this and he starts choking him and telling him tell me who you worked with tell me who shot Sheridan you tell me right now so he's he's beating this guy up basically and then the rest of the crane family start to arrive to the church and everybody hears this commotion inside and they come in rushing in and like what the hell is what the hell is going on between the sheets in my home what the hell is going on in this church at my, at Sheridan's funeral and uh then Sam explains that that's Pierre, that Pierre is the person, one of the people that they hold responsible for Sheridan's death. And Ethan's like, so why isn't he in jail? Which is my question. Which is my question. Why is yeah. he not in jail? How is this man? I, on- I guess the, like Sam said, there's not enough evidence against him to hold him. How is there not enough evidence? How is there not enough evidence? I, he is clearly... He's like a clear suspect. There's a decent amount of circumstantial evidence. Number one, what are you doing in Harmony? We know you are a known drug trafficker. We know you were working with the the people who wanted her dead. Like you, there's enough circumstantial evidence to keep him in in custody. You will not, you will not tell me otherwise. Nobody can tell me otherwise. I would have put it against Alistair helping out these people. (laughs) And yeah, Alistair seems to there's some going on with Alistair too, but that's that's a whole other thing. I guess um, to say. So what? He has the power to do to help these two thugs get out of whatever. Well, Laura and I have Laura and I have uh um speculated that they work for someone who works for someone who works for someone who works for Alistair, right? Yeah. Like we've speculated that Alistair is like the head actually the head of this cartel but he's mm-hmm. so far above roger that they don't even know yeah. yeah yeah so that's i mean it's fully possible so sam then escorts pierre out of the church ethan is pissed rightfully so I, rightfully so pissed. i'd be pissed too um sam sam's like my hands are tied what can i do i can't do anything he can't do anything he can't do anything he's so bad at his job he doesn't know the law it is it's obvious and uh ethan tells him he hates him and he says 
you're going to pay. He's like, I hate you. You're going to pay. And then Ivy has like an outburst. It's like, Ethan, she- don't talk to Sam this way. <laughs> Ivy, baby, chill. Girl, chill the fuck out. Because you she were going to blow your cover. I know. Clearly. She, subconsciously, she wanted to know. Yeah. So uh, Ethan says to her, why are you defending Sam again, mother? Why are you defending him? And Julian's like, yeah, Ivy, why are you defending Sam? And she says, and this is this was great cover. Ivy is, Ivy is fantastic. I love this woman. Ivy says, listen, this is Sheridan's funeral. And we are not respecting her funeral. That, like, you, I'm not saying that you sh- shouldn't talk to Sam. I'm just saying, or th- I'm not defending Sam. I'm just saying we shouldn't do this here and now, right? So, um, yeah. Everybody's like, yeah, you're right. Ethan's like, yeah, you're right. And then he says, anybody who was not invited, anybody who was not invited to the funeral please leave now so everybody else leaves except for basically the family and he gives his eulogy and it was so sweet honestly it was really sweet he says she will be missed she will be remembered and her death will be avenged she will be part of our lives forever and then he says that he admired her courage and that she lived life on her own terms and stood by her beliefs which is what he admired most about her and then he says goodbye Sheridan goodbye Sheridan so sad this was you know it was sweet for it was sad but his what he's his his eulogy was actually very sweet um and then he says it's time to close the coffin (laughs) he says it like just like that he's like it's time to close the coffin and Sheridan's consciousness is starts screaming like no she's like don't I'm afraid of being trapped don't close the don't close it. You can't close it. And so from this point on, Sheridan's consciousness is just going crazy. Like from this point to the end of these episodes, and I'm sure well yeah. into the next few episodes. Well, actually yes, to the yeah. end of these episodes, because she actually comes to at the end of these episodes. Yeah. But um, her consciousness is screaming, yelling, no, no, get me out of here. Yeah, get me out of here. So, um, as they're about to close the coffin, Luis comes running back in and she's like, oh my gosh, Luis, I knew you would save me in her consciousness, right? She's like, I knew yeah. you would save me. I knew we had a close connection and that you would understand and realize that I'm not dead. dead. And he says, she's got such a beautiful face. I just wanted to look at it one last time. And then he gives her a kiss again. And this time he goes, he gives her a kiss. He goes, Sheridan? And it seems like maybe he realized Mm-hmm. she's actually alive mm-hmm. but everybody pulls him away and is like you know you're just feeling something that's not there and he's like I know I know she's dead I know she's dead and then they close the coffin yep they close the coffin uh so Ethan at one point tries to kick Luis out of the funeral and and Ivy oh I like I really like Ivy even though she's a, a nut but I really like Ivy. Ivy says to him, you know, he loved Sheridan and Sheridan loved him. Sheridan would want him to be here. And like you of all people should understand that um, he loved Sheridan and that it's only right for him to be here. And he says, you're right, mother. Julian then tells Louise he has no right to be there. He's like, you should get out of here. 
you have no right to be here. This sets Luis off. Oh. Luis is like, I have every right to be here, to be here, which is more than I can say for say most three. of the family members in this room. So th- then he says, this funeral is a charade, a charade. This funeral is a charade to show the world that the almighty Crane family is mourning a family member. He goes, for God's sake, your own father isn't even here. Yeah. That's dead and ass. They, That's so true. And, and the pastor had, and the priest had to ask for volunteers for the pallbearers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's true. I mean, wasn't, there, wasn't this pretty planned? I mean, like, or, or is, I guess this is a Look, problem too funeral. This funeral is so thrown together, which is crazy considering that this was supposed to be Ethan and Gwen's wedding day. So really we just switched over from a wedding to a funeral, which are very similar, right? And the people that you invite and the, the, you have flowers, right? I talked about this last week with uh, Gina, but uh, yeah, you, you think, you think they had, they would at least have like some pallbearers ready. Yeah. At the ready. But no, Um, but yeah, at least least Louise was a pallbearer and and Ethan, I, I expected those to to be pallbearers yeah but the priest asking yeah it was ridiculous well poor sheridan right that her family doesn't give a fuck about her except for ethan so um when when louis says for god's sake your own father isn't even here julian says for your information alistair is inconsolable and just couldn't get away he just couldn't get away on such short notice then why not have the wedding? Why not have the funeral a couple of days? Like who has a funeral the like within 12 hours of somebody dying? Like, cause that's what happened here. Sheridan died like last night and it's the morning. They're having a, they're having a funeral for Sheridan within 12 hours of her death. Doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't you, why I get, I get him not being able to come back in 12 hours. Like if, if he's in like Asia or wherever he is, I get him. Well, why not just hold off until he can get there? Because he doesn't want to come. He's not, he has no interest in being there. He can't get away from his evil plotting. He has no interest in being there. He's (laughs) an evil, evil man. Bad, bad man. He's a bad, bad man. (laughs) But anyway, uh, he's, Julian says he's inconsolable. He just couldn't get away. Luis says to him, he says, you know, Sheridan was a really special person. And y'all, I know all she ever wanted was the love of her family. And she never got that. And she was one of the most incredible people I've ever met. But you'll never know that, will you? Mm-hmm. Oh, so sad. That, he, says, but I, he says, you don't know what you've lost, but I do. Oh, uh, that's oh Luis. So Louise, I'm sorry, Julian tries to make him go, but he says Sheridan would want him there. And that's all that matters to him. He's like, fuck you, Julian. I'm not going anywhere. Um, Gwen at one point, this was cool. This was interesting. Gwen, right after this exchange says to Ethan, like, I'm sorry you had to hear those disgusting lies about your family. And Ethan's like, he didn't say anything wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Ethan's like, He's not, I like, I hate the man, but he's not wrong. There's no love in our family. I would like us to be close, but we just aren't. And it seems that I'm the only person who wants us to be close. And um, he says, why? And he says, to her, why do I feel so different from my family? Well, maybe because you're not related to them. And, that, and maybe, honestly, maybe that's a good thing. They suck. <laughs> they suck. So, um, Everyone says their final goodbyes to Sheridan. 
and the coffin is closed and her consciousness goes crazy. She's like, oh my God, I'm going to be buried alive. Uh, Sam, Hank, Julian, and Ethan become pallbearers after the, after the priest asks for volunteers and they carry, they start carrying her. And she's like, oh my God, the, the coffin is moving. Oh my God, they're going to take me to the cemetery. And she's like yelling in her consciousness, don't bury me alive. Don't bury me alive. Oh my God. Oh my God. Poor Sheridan. Don't bury me alive. Oh, can you imagine? Uh, that is my worst nightmare. Oh my God is my worst nightmare. Being like buried oh, oh, alive and, and apart suffocated. From falling down, and part for falling down from an elevator. But yeah, being buried alive. No, even even falling in an elevator doesn't scare me as much as like the idea of like drowning, being buried alive, suffocating. Oh, it just it just seems like the most horrific slow death. Yeah. Oh, I I just mm -mm, I would not want it. That's why. That's why. That's why I want to be cremated. Oh, I you know once I'm once I'm dead I don't care. Do what you do what you will. You know what I really want once I'm dead I would like to be buried in one of those pods that grows into like a beautiful tree like so my body is that like the trees planted in the pod I guess and then your body like feeds the tree so like your essence goes into the tree that is what I want I want to be I want to turn me into a tree I, I, didn't have to that. I would love to be in I want to be in one of those tree pods there I think they're really expensive though I gotta save up for my gotta save up for my death so, <laughs> um so they she's screaming don't bury me alive and then they start lowering her down into the, the grave and she starts screaming and moving she's awake now she's yeah. screaming banging on the coffin stop help yeah. i'm in here i'm awake she's awake awake yeah now. that general end of fear is like tightening her she knows her she's alive she's, she's awake she's awake screwed. awake and she's screwed and she's, you know, panicking. She's like, yeah. So they're burying her alive. It's terrifying. And then the light comes. Yeah. So she's in this coffin and a light comes on. And she's like, what the hell is going on? I'm she's like, wait a minute. Dead. Am I in hell? Am I dead? I, like, I thought she was going to heaven. Poor no, thing. It's poor thing she was really going through it she was like am i dead like is this I was so much feeling it with her it's like oh my god oh what is going on out. and then she starts to remember things because she's coming out of that drug fog oh. right so we see this flashback funny. of what actually happened we're finally getting the explanation of why sheridan is being buried alive and it turns out that hank planned this with her and she yeah. was like not into it at all. And but he he did this, and I, I and I do not remember who's all in on it. I imagine Agent Hal Freeman is. I hope I don't know, but Hank convinces her, and I I also think that Eve has her hand in this somewhere, right? Like the drugs, the anesthetic that wore the fuck off when it wasn't mm. supposed to. Has Eve written all over it? Has Me Doctor too. of the Year written all over it? Yeah. She loves putting people to sleep, okay? So um, she has this flashback of having this conversation with Hank saying, oh my gosh. He, well, Hank says to her, this is going to work. We just have to fake your death. That way, 
I can get Roger and Pierre off my back and you, they, they will think that you are dead. So they won't be after you anymore. And it's this so is, stupid. Sheridan doesn't have would, to. But my problem with this one is Sheridan doesn't have to do this because she's being guarded by the FBI. Even though they were about to drop the case, Hank could very easily just be like, actually, I know Roger and Pierre are still after her. And they would continue to guard her, right? Like he could, he did all of this to save himself. It had nothing, nothing to do with Sheridan. Or nothing no, to do with Sheridan. He, he cared about himself, only himself. I wouldn't trust Hank with my plan. No. <laughs> Not at all. He is that bad. Not at all. I love my plants. I would absolutely not trust Hank with my plants. You kidding me? My babies? My no. plant babies? Not a chance. He bury them alive. <laughs> so uh, she has this, this, she remembers having this conversation with him where she was like, but what if things go wrong? He's like, you'll be, you'll be asleep. They're, they're going to drug you. You'll be asleep the, the entire time. You won't even remember. The coffin will never close. You definitely will not get buried alive. She's like, but what if something goes wrong? He's like, nothing will go wrong. There's a 0% chance that anything will go wrong. Clearly Hank was wrong. wrong. <laughs> Hank was so wrong. So, um, so and, and what irritates me is that Hank knows that this plan has gone further than he wanted it to go. He yeah. knows that he told Sheridan she would never be buried alive. What he told her was, just in case the odd chance, the 0% chance that you do get buried alive, there's going to be enough oxygen and light to last you for two hours. I thought oxygen would last longer. I mean, usually, I mean, from, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I sincerely don't know. I, I, I was like, maybe they hit a tank in the bottom then, of it and, somewhere. And he says the light would come on. And the light did come on. <laughs> so Hank starts to kind of panic. He watches them bury her for what, so stupid uh -huh. that he watched her bury them, her, watched them bury her. I was so annoyed. But I think Hal Freeman must be in on this because at one point, Hal comes to him and says, we're going to be making a rest soon. Don't worry. So, and you could really take that either way as like, we're getting, we're closing in on the people that we need to close in on or that um, like, I'm in on this with you. Don't worry. We're going to take care of this. We just have to arrest these motherfuckers first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm really not 100% clear on that, but I think, yeah. I think Hal Freeman is in on this. Which begs the question, how did Hank get out of, how did he explain this to Hal Freeman when he explained it? To, um, uh, you know what? I'm going to let it go. I'm go. sure it will, uh, hopefully it will come up. If it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Let go and let God, this is passions. So um, he, Hank is taking a walk along the, um, Here. along the wharf, right? And he remembers Sheridan telling him, like, I'm claustrophobic. I, you remember what happened to me when I was in that coffin at the, the lobster shack, which I have forgotten about. Laura actually reminded me because oh, I was, I remember I was bringing, that. Her, bringing her up to speed on all of this recently. And she, she was like, oh, my gosh, that's going to be really bad for Sheridan to remember how she reacted when she was in the, the coffin at the lobster shack. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I forgot about that. Also, she just doesn't like coffins because... She thinks she killed somebody and like the coffin, the idea of a coffin, she saw that coffin that night and she thinks 
that um it, it causes bad memories for her so it's like a bunch of issues that she has with like death and coffins right well yeah and it's like she's confronting her ultimate fear she's like head-on collision yeah. and it's definitely going to be i opening wake-up call for her Poor thing. She is definitely confronting her ultimate fear. My ultimate fear. She's confronting my ultimate fear. Poor thing. Oh, terrifying. So Hank's walking around praying like, I hope nothing goes wrong. Nothing goes wrong with my plan. Shit's already going wrong. Uh, Yeah, everything's already gone further than you said it would go. That's my issue. Everything's already gone way further than you said it would go. So he's like, you know what? I just got I got to call Luis. This was confusing to me. He's like, I have to call Luis to let him know that we have to dig up Sheridan because she's actually alive. Why do you have to call Luis? Who else is in on this plan? Why can't you just go dig her up? I, I, I just don't understand why it has to be Luis. So, so he, and why it wouldn't just be somebody else who's in on the plan and say like, this is, I, I'm, I'm pulling the plug on this. I'm calling it right so he calls Luis Luis doesn't answer he leaves him a voicemail hey buddy it's it's like a a frantic voicemail hey buddy you got to call me back as soon as possible like I need to talk to you immediately no you should be insurance fucking alive yeah yeah right right leave that message go get shit go dig up Sheridan that like leave that message but anyway um Roger and Pierre, Roger comes to Harmony. I was thrilled to see him. He He's in Harmony. So he comes up to, he, he and Pierre find Hank on the wharf and they her, overheard his phone call. And uh, Hank says, wait a minute, what are you even doing here, Roger? Like this is hot territory. You probably should not be here. And he says, oh, I just came to thank you in person for taking care of Sheridan for me. By the way, I know she's not really dead. I know you tried to double cross me and I know you were calling your friend Louise to go dig her up, but that ain't gonna happen because we got you now, boy. So, <laughs> so Roger and Pierre have yeah. Hank trapped, I guess. Um, we yeah. That's really where we leave it with Hank. I don't know what they're gonna do with us. him, but I imagine they're gonna k- try to keep him where he can't, get in touch with anybody to tell them that Sheridan needs to be dug up which makes me wonder who knows that Sheridan is alive besides Hank somebody like somebody else has to know who got like unless he like stole the drugs and the anesthetic and like administered it to eat um to uh Sheridan himself right I who somebody else has to know but maybe May, I could be completely wrong about this, but if I'm not wrong about this, if somebody else does know that Sheridan is alive and buried alive, then it should not be a problem that Roger and Hank, um, or sorry, Roger and Pierre have Hank because somebody else will surely be like, oh, we got to dig that bitch up. <laughs> Even yeah. if we didn't catch them, we got to dig her up. Otherwise we are murderers. Yes. We're murderers. I, I don't know. So his plan has failed and Roger uh, tells him as much. Yep. He says her death, he says her death will really be your all your fault. Mm, mm-hmm. interesting. And it is. It absolutely it, well, it is in both I, in I, both I, senses. It absolutely is. 
I so believe at this perfect. moment, I'm going to take a short little break um, and thank all of our patrons, mm-hmm. Ashley being among them. Thank you, Ashley. So uh, thank you to Munashe, Marcus, Erica, Breland, Lisa, Zach, Sid, Serana, Dustin, Heather, Randall, Bridget, Ashley, Hannah, Camelia, Amanda, Monique, Samantha, Amy, Chucky, and Jeanette. Thank you all so, 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 thank so, you. so much um, for being patrons. And remember, if you would also too like to become a patron, uh, go on over to patreon.com slash passions podcast and choose a tier, any tier you like. All right. So thank you, Ashley, at this moment, would you like to tell everybody where they could follow you or what, what you have on the internet that they can find from you? Uh-huh. Oh, Ashley has like these really cool <laughs> super cuts of different shows, not just passions, like any kind of like show or movie where people have um, chemistry, you know, right? Yeah. Uh, you can find me at uh, Twitter, uh, TV Movie Sparks 88. Also Instagram same name tv movie sparks 88 and on youtube just simply tv movie sparks that's right and i will link that in the description of this episode as well so you have an easy way to get to our friend ashley good friend of the show all right so now we are going to talk about troubled marriages and there's not a lot this week just a little bit a little bit of marriages in trouble there's a little bit of marriage to talk about so here are bullet points Number one, Rebecca's suspicions about Sam and Ivy have increased. Julian receives a mysterious envelope from Alistair that involves Ivy, Sam, and Ethan. Ivy worries that Alistair and Julian have discovered her secret. Sam warns Ivy that if Julian confronts him about their affair, he will own up to it. So that's where we are this week. Let's just talk about it. I literally have like half a page of notes on this. It's really like nothing. So, first of all, Rebecca has made it her business to sniff out Ivy's secret with Sam Bennett. She knows that because Julian has been telling her, like, Ivy's got some kind of secret. I think it involves Sam Bennett. Um, I don't know. I I think they were. I don't know if he's told him. She, he hasn't told her that, that he saw them making love in the mirror or whatever, but she, he basically said like, she's got a secret. It's got something to do with Sam. Right. I'm surprised um, she hasn't figured out already. <laughs> well, and then Rebecca remembers, and I guess maybe they were at school together or, and like lived in dorms together or something. Rebecca remembers has a flashback of Ivy dating some mystery man when they were younger. And then I guess they like shared a room or something. I don't know. And she wonders if that person could have been Sam Bennett. Right on the money, sis. Yes. You're right on top of it. Um, Julian, at one point, they're at the they're at the gravesite. Julian gets a an envelope um, delivered to him. And Alistair calls him and says, did you get the envelope? You need to open it right now. It's of the utmost importance. Julian opens it up and, uh, oh, but before this, before he opens it up, Julian says, father, how nice of you to call. And he says, everybody keeps asking why you're not at your own daughter's funeral. And I keep making up excuses for you. And Alistair says, Sheridan's dead. She doesn't know if I'm there or not that's it he's like so now let's talk about the the important thing in the envelope 
he's horrible. Oh, uh, horrific. Ugh. Terrible. So he says, open up this envelope. Julian opens up the papers and goes, my God, is this true? You know, they're leading us to believe that these papers say something about Ivy and Sam and Ethan being their son. Because he says, Ethan, Ivy, and Sam Bennett? I can't believe it. That's like what they do. And we do this for a while. We do this for a while. Right? Just to drive us crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, my thing, and I think maybe it drives me even extra crazier because I know exactly when the paternity stuff comes out. I remember exactly when that happens. So I know that this is bullshit. I just don't know what the bullshit is, you know, but I know that this is not what they are leading us to believe it is right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rewatching it is such a, uh, it's crazy how different the experience is. It's not crazy. I'm way, I'm 20 years older than I was then. So it's actually not crazy, but the rewatch is so different. My rewatch of this show is so different. One, I know what happens mostly for the most part. Yeah. And two, I'm a grown up, like I'm an adult. And so like these things that don't make I'm dissecting everything. I'm like dissecting every little tiny little thing. And it's interesting how I'm like doing that. Because when I was younger, I didn't give a shit. (laughs) Right, right. These, These things that don't make sense. I'm like, wait, what? You know, but anyway. And yeah, I was like 12. I didn't know how the world worked, yeah. you know? But anyway, um, he tells Ivy, I need to meet with you and Ethan and Sam back at the mansion ASAP. So as soon as you're here, done, get paying your respects to Sheridan, bring your ass back to the mansion. We got things to talk about. And he's very cryptic about it, right? Mm-hmm. Ivy, of course, starts to panic. She's like, they figured it out. They figured it out. Pilar's like, I don't know how they would have figured it out. There's no evidence and you burned all the evidence. There's no way they figured this out. Um, but Ivy is terrified. She's worried. Sam comes over to Ivy and is like, what is this all about? Because Julian has now told him cryptically, you, I need to see you at the mansion. It's of the utmost importance. And yes. so Sam goes over to Ivy and says, what is this all about? And I want to be clear with you. If Julian has figured out that we were together long ago, I'm going to just own up to it. So be ready for that, right? Um, so Ivy is just like very anxious and worried about this. Ethan also is like, what the hell? Like, what does the father want with my mother and Sam Bennett and me? So they all go back to the mansion and uh, Sam hasn't shown up yet. Julian says to Pilar, Pilar, please fix my wife, uh, fix us all a drink, fix us all a drink and make Ivy's a double. She's going to need it. So they're really, they're really setting us up for this, but I know this is not what they think it, what they want us to think it is. I know it isn't. I like, I wasn't even like, Ooh, cause I know. I was a little bit, I was a little bit, but then I I remember when I say I will never, when I say I will never forget, like it is burned, imprinted into my brain, the way that Ethan finds out that he is Sam Bennett's son mm-hmm. I will never forget it so I knew I knew I was like this is this is not what they, this is not how it happens because it happens in the most explosive way um did you have you seen that do you remember that oh look I I've seen bits and pieces okay because I because of you too I, I remember that very well and you don't like this Ethan as much right yeah because I started off with the second Ethan 
Right. You started the show with the second Ethan. So you met, you really missed a lot when you yeah. first started, but, right? But they got the reruns when it was on sci-fi. So I, I detached up. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to these faded couples, shall we? Let's move on to these faded couples. We're going to finish it up here. So we're going to talk about, um, actually let's talk about Chad and Whitney first, and then we'll talk okay. about Teresa. Okay. Um, so let's quickly talk about Chad and Whitney. Here's, here's their summary. It's very s- small and easy. After watching a heated conversation between Chad and Whitney about love, Simone starts to feel that Chad and Whitney may have feelings for each other and warns her sister to stay away from Chad, whom she is now calling her boyfriend. So let's get into that real quick. <laughs> she, Simone, Simone has taken to calling Chad her boyfriend altogether. He's her boyfriend She's, now. Yeah, yeah. They haven't even Simone had a conversation. Is just, Simone is just in denial. Simone is in denial. They they she, haven't had a conversation about it. No. So she. Yeah, I I was gonna say she has the mild case of the Teresa. She thinks she's in love, but I don't think she's really. No, she she one hundred percent has a mild case of the Teresas. That's a yeah. wonderful way to say this. She has a I'm, mild case. Sorry, of Teresa, the- I love you, but you, you know. oh please, we know Teresa's a fucking l- lunatic. We love her for it, but she's a lunatic, yeah. and she and honestly, let's be let's be clear. Teresa was not wrong, right? No. She she made herself available to Ethan, mm-hmm. and he fell in love with her. She she made it happen for herself in a way. Yeah. Simone is in a way kind of doing the same thing except she already thinks that chad is in love with her which actually Teresa was saying too yeah no she's got a mild case of the Teresa's. that's that's the perfect way to put this so that just um, came out of me i love it so let's talk about this simone sees chad they're all at the book cafe and Simone sees Chad like waiting on Whitney and like they're making eyes at each other. Like oh, these yeah, they got like this weird tension, right? And mm-hmm. she wonders, she's like, what if Kay really, what she told me was true? Because Kay in last week's episodes, Kay told her, I told that whole, I said that whole thing to Whitney about Chad getting Tiffany pregnant to keep her away from Chad because the two of them are crazy about each other. I was trying to help you. And Simone said, I don't believe you. Chad told me he loved me. It's like, girl, he told you he was he loved you when he was bleeding out delirious and he thought you were Whitney. Like, girl, get a good guy, get a girl. Good guy, get a grip, girl. Get yep. a grip. Um, so she's wondering, maybe Kay was right. So then she flat out goes over to him and asks him out of earshot of Whitney. He says, she says, do you think it's true that Whitney is in love with you? Like Kay said, and he kind of plays it off saying Kay is like, well, that just proves Kay is whacked, blah, blah, blah. Like you see how you see how your sister um, talks to me. Like, I don't know if she's really in love with me, basically. But he he doesn't answer the question because he he feels that. Whitney is in love with him he knows he's in love with her and he feels that she is in love with him and he keeps just trying to pull that out of her but for some reason will not be clear with Simone and honest with Simone um and so uh he just goes like what would make you ask me something like that and then Simone says well when you played that song for me when you played that song for me to tell me that you loved me 
I saw how Whitney looked at you like, and the look on her face. And it made me wonder. And Chad then says, you know, Simone, I need to talk to you about that song. I need to talk to you about this. And that's when they get interrupted by Tabitha coming in going sex, sex, sex. All you kids think about is sex. All you kids think about is sex. Um, and, and so that kind of, of course, that kind of makes them switch gears a little bit for a little while. Um, and so Whitney starts talking about like, Chad's like, oh man, that lady's crazy. That lady's whacked out after Tabitha leaves. That cra- that lady's crazy. And Whitney says she might be crazy, but she's definitely right. All, all people can care about these days is sex. They don't want to have loving and caring, respectful relationships. They just want to get jump into bed with, with each other. And Chad's like, you're so wrong and you need to be more open. He's like, for a person who hasn't had much experience in love, how can you be so cynical about it? And uh, she's like, well, I, I, I know that uh, those songs that you use, I know that you just use songs to put people, girls in the mood and so that you can have sex with them. And the, the lyrics aren't even about love. They're about breaking down a girl's defenses so that you can take advantage of her. And you know that all, all too well. I got to pause here. Whitney, we just, we just, last week, Whitney realized that that lie about Chad getting Tiffany Thomas pregnant was false. She cried. She apologized profusely for believing it. And somehow we're back to Whitney thinks that Chad is some kind of low life. Player. Yeah. Player. A player who Woman tries answer. to, um, use women I don't understand I thought we were I was I honestly this frustrated the shit out of me because I honestly thought we were getting past this I really thought we were getting past this because Whitney saw how hurt Chad was by her believing that rumor and now we're right back to where we were before why Why? one step forward two steps back I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I told it's frustrated the crap out of me. Um, but yeah, he tells her you shouldn't be so cynical about love. And he's confused as I am. He's confused just like I am. He, uh, he's like, I, is this about that rumor about Tiffany? Cause I thought you said you believed me, but Whitney reasserts the accusation that he just uses music to like get girls in the mood. And she says she thinks that making love should be special and should be something special. And Chad says, I do too. And she's like, well, clearly we have different, we have different ideas of what's special. What makes you think that? Chad says exactly that. She's like, what? He's like, what makes you think that? And also what is making you think so little of me and that I use women? And he's like, our version of special is not, is no different. Like it's, it's just not. Simone is watching this yes. conversation and it's a really, it's intense and it's yes. a lot of emotion. Like they clearly have some, some tension between the two of them. That is not just animosity that is rooted in having romantic feelings for each other. Simone can feel this. Simone can see this. And as she's watching, she tries to interject a couple of times. She's like, Hey, Hey, Chad, you wanted to talk to me about that song. Like you wanted to talk to me. And he's like, yeah, yeah, Simone. Uh, well, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, yeah, whatever, Simone. I'll talk you to you later. You're totally safe, he, Simone. You're, you're 
he blows her off multiple times. And here I will say a couple of things. One, I don't, and I said this last week, I don't understand what Chad sees in Whitney. I don't understand why he keeps chasing after her. Yes, she is beautiful, but that's really it because she's so nasty to him. Two, I don't understand why Simone, why Chad won't just be honest with Simone. Like, mm-hmm. I don't get it. I also don't understand why he won't accept, like, try and make things work with her. Like, she's nice. Mm-hmm. She's nice to you. She cares about you. She's beautiful. She's just as beautiful as her sister. Yeah. I, I don't get, I don't, I don't understand it. But I think what the writers are trying to tell us is that Whitney and Chad are like, meant to be right like they're this faded couple and mm-hmm. so he he just can't see Simone because he's so blinded by Whitney I, I guess I hate it though yeah I, I I like Chad and Whitney to, to be honest and I felt bad for Simone I mean I wish Chad were a little more honest and just like just let let it all out man I mean I mean stop I being- like Chad and Whitney later i do not like this yeah. part of it well, uh, once they get to, once they actually get together and we get the whole like brother sister thing and all of that oh shit, that's great all of that is great but this part i this part I, makes me wonder how did they ever even get together you know what i mean yeah it's the aggravated like, slow burn because if it were me if i was in chad's shoes i'd be like this girl does not like me and she does nothing but insult me Right, I don't want well, anything to do with her. Well, I, I go, I go back to the old saying: if you like someone, you insult them. You probably but that's not true. And well, that. <laughs> but that's not true. That's that's nonsense. Like that, it's just not true. Like when people are like, "Oh, that boy," it's bu- It's such bullshit that we tell girls, like especially little girls, if a boy is mean to you, it means he likes you. That's such bullshit. Like, dude, that's a red flag. I don't care how old you are. If you pull in my hair, even if you're five years old, and I tell this to my students, I'm like, that is not how we show affection to each other, okay? Like, if you want to say something, that we, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all, number one. At number all. two, yeah. keep your hands that's to yourself. And if you have something to say that you want to share your feelings, that's say fine. It. But you do not have say to share your fi- feelings physically, right? So there's no reason to be touching each other, hitting each other, grabbing each other ever, right? I, I sound like a teacher, that, but that's what I say to my students, that's, 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 right? And that's, that's, my little ones, my kindergartners, I, you know, yeah. because I, I wholeheartedly believe we as a society need to unlearn, especially women, unlearn this idea that if a person is mean to you, that's like, they're, they're just, that's just, they're having a hard time expressing how they feel to you. Feel. That's bullshit. Learn to express yourself verbally. Like, yeah. no, I, I will not. Sadly, the show, the sadly Cassius does not teach us that. They I will not. Ex- and I refuse to accept it. I think it's nonsense. And I, this, I hate again. I just find, I just guess I find it so unrealistic because it's like. This show would be a totally, completely different show if everybody was just been honest from the get go. Oh, the show would be 10 episodes long. <laughs> The show, the show would have been a mini series, right? Like it'll be a Netflix, yeah. uh, a Netflix yeah. uh, limited series if, if everybody would yeah. just be honest, right? Yeah. So let's keep on moving. I get off my soapbox and we'll keep keep on keeping on. Uh, so Chad says to Whitney, "You don't understand how love works." 
you think that love has all of these rules and you have to do everything or say everything the right way. And, and then he says, it doesn't matter what you do or don't say, as long as your heart's in the right place, false, incorrect, not true, Chad. It does matter what you do and don't say, even if your heart is in the right, right, place. The right place. Yes, It absolutely matters. Cause if you don't say you love me, how, how could I possibly know? No. You know what I mean? If you don't, and then if you don't do things, if I, you don't show me that you love me, how could I possibly know? Right. Because I, this is something that I learned in church, but I still like believe wholeheartedly that love is an action word that you, that you can say yeah. it all day long, but the only way somebody knows that you love them is by showing them. You have to yes. show love. And honestly, yes. I still love that. I don't know. I learned that when I was, I don't know, like Sunday school, like yeah. 11 or something, but it's so true. Love, love is an action word. It's, it's not, um, something that you is just say, yeah. It's not and something it, you just say, it's something you do. It's something to live by. It's not something passive. Church. It's something active, right? And mm-hmm. so um, Chad saying that it doesn't matter what you say, it, what you say or don't say or what you do or don't do as long as your heart is in the right place just did not ring to me. I know mm-hmm. that they tried, like they were trying to make it like really deep and have Chad have like a really mm-hmm. philosophical moment, but it didn't work for me because I was just like, no, that's not. Probably the right for drunk and Like maybe you wouldn't be having this issue if you just said, I love you to Whitney. Maybe you wouldn't be having this problem right? Like you are saying it and not saying it, right? All you and then, said this, Simone, the song's not for you. It's for your sister. Yeah. And then Whitney then says to him, she just wants to make sure that when she finds love, it's the real thing, like her parents' um, marriage and not some hit and miss romance, the kind you've obviously been enjoying, Chad. That's what she says to him, that he's been enjoying hit and miss romances. How, where, who, what? where? With what, what women? Has she have? Like, who is she talking about? What has she seen? Nothing. Which is why I'm so irritated by this because we, ha- the only thing that she had to go on about this part, like saying that Chad is a player or he enjoys hit and miss romances, is the shit that Kay said to her. And we have established that Kay was lying. We've established yes. that. So, and she's already apologized. Whitney has apologized to Chad for believing it. So why is she back to this? I don't know. Why is she back to this? Because she's being fed misled information. No, not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. So she says, you know, you've been enjoying hit and miss romances, blah, blah, blah. Chad gets very frustrated, like I'm getting. And he says, how many ways can I show you that dot, dot, dot? And then he says, I want to play you a song. Girl, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of him like, I want to play you this song. Listen to this song. Maybe you'll understand. Just Just say it, Just tell her at this point. Say what you got to say. Say what you need to say. Say what you need to say. Because like this whole, I need to play you a song and maybe you'll get the point is getting old. Also, it has now gotten you into a, a place where Simone thinks that you were sending her a message. So stop playing these songs. Every girl in town is going to think that you love them. <laughs> stop. Stop it. Stop, stop it. Stop it. So then he plays this song. He says, you know, music sometimes can help people say the words that they can't quite say on their own. 
And maybe you can open up yourself just a little bit to hear what I'm trying to say. And then he plays this song and the song goes, they, I don't know how it goes because it was not good. But the, yeah, the but the quote that I remember that they kept saying over and over again was, love won't let you go. Love won't let you go. Okay. So then he tells her to let go of her cynicism long enough to see something new, see what can happen between two people who love each other. Just let yourself go, Whitney. Just let yourself go. He keeps saying, let yourself go. <laughs> just let yourself go. And uh, meanwhile, Whitney's kind of just staring at him. Simone has called Kay, who's in the closet at Miguel's house, right? No help whatsoever. Yeah, Simone has called Kay and she says they both kind of realize that they're losing these men to other people, these other girls, which Simone, which Kay already, like, girl, that man just did not want you from the beginning. You were nowhere near it. Simone thought that, and Chad made it seem like yeah, Honestly, had- without by not telling her and by not setting her straight, because he's had plenty, he really has had plenty of time to kind of set her straight and have a conversation her, with her about it since the moment he found out that she thought that he loved her, right? So he, he's been, I'm not going to say he's been leading her on, because I think that's a little strong of an accusation, but he definitely has not been clear enough with Simone. And so Simone has reason to believe that Chad was interested in her, right? Um, but nope, no, no, no such thing. So Simone, after she gets off the phone with Kay, she interrupts their talk, their conversation. And Chad, she's like, um, she's like, hey, Whitney and Chad, like, I need to talk to my sister. Like, I need to talk to Whitney. And Chad very curtly tells her that we're in the middle of a conversation. Can this wait? <laughs> Excuse me? Like that, like, girl, that right there would be like, for me, I'd be I'd like, like oh, I don't want him. I, I would no. want him at that point. Like, you know, I don't know. Anyway, we're in the middle of a conversation, Simone. Can, can you wait right now? You're just staring at says, each other. You're just staring at each other. It's like, wait, you're not even talking. That's true. They were just <laughs> staring at each other. And then when he's, Whitney says to Chad, no, we're done with this conversation. And then she goes off to talk to Simone. Simone pulls Whitney away, honey. And she says to her, she accuses her of trying to steal her boyfriend. She says, you're trying to steal my boyfriend. She accuses her of throwing herself at Chad, which is not true. And then she says, and this was sad, broke my heart. I feel so bad for Simone. She says, you always have to be the best at everything. The perfect daughter, the perfect student, the perfect tennis player. While I always have to be the other one. Oh, heartbreak. My heart broke for her. Because it's so true. And we've seen that from the very beginning of this show where Simone was very much like the throwaway daughter. Like, you know, they didn't. I feel for her. Even though I'm the oldest. Even though I'm the oldest, I feel like I'm like the. Yeah. I don't feel like a throwaway, but I definitely, I definitely understand Simone in this moment. Like, and I, I understand how she, I really understand how she feels. I, of all the characters on Passions right now, I relate to Simone the most. Seriously. I, I, I'm so, I really, really connect with this character and what she is going through right now with ex- with the exception of her calling Chad, her boyfriend. Cause I would never have done yeah. that. Like I would never be that confused, but <laughs> But I do relate with, like, 
kind of the always a bridesmaid, never a bride kind of feeling, you know, I, I really, it's relatable. I, I relate to Simone. I really do. Um, so she says to her, you've always had everything. And I finally get something to myself, a guy who likes me and you try to steal him from me. And she says, I'm warning you, stay away from Chad or I will never talk to you again and you will not be my sister. A lot of siblings trying to break up with each other in this show. Because last like... week, Luis told Teresa that he would never see her again and would never talk to her again. And she might as well be dead to him if she started a relationship with uh, Ethan. So a lot of, we're starting with the sibling rival, yeah. not rivalry. Yeah. Well, this is a sibling rivalry. This one is. Yeah. Yeah. But we're starting with all of that, like the happy homes are starting to crumble, you know? Um, so the last little addendum here, Grace and the Russells, TC and, um, uh, what's that lady's name? Eve, Dr. Eve, Dr. Eve Russell. They all show up to the book cafe and, um, Urge. after this whole conversation yeah. and, uh, Chad goes over to wait on them and give them coffee and stuff. And he explains that he left them a note. He said, did you see my note that I'm going to be staying and renting out the apartment for a little bit longer? And they're like, yeah, and you're welcome to stay as long as you, as long as you like, really. And he says, even you, Eve, you, uh, Dr. Russell, you feel that way? And she's like, yep, you, you're welcome to stay, Chad. Mm -hmm. um, then TC says, you know, I was thinking about your dilemma with you trying to find your parents and Honey, doesn't the doesn't the hospital keep DNA records of everybody in harmony? Like, what was this? He says, doesn't the hospital keep DNA records? What if we took D gave um, Chad a DNA test and ran his DNA through the hospital database to see if anybody is a match for him? Okay, like what like anybody born in harmony would have a dna sample i don't understand what he meant by that i i, I just keep going i keep thinking of that they invented the dna genealogy shit that you know if you like you know take a sample of your dna you find your genealogy and crap oh yeah 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 like 23 and me yeah 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 i guess, I guess. I but it, I, except I, this I, is like except this is like extremely specific and they have like a database of all the residents of harmony's dna is that what they is that what they are trying to make me believe i'm not I mean, i'm whatever it doesn't our, matter our matching, what comes up it's an, matching their blood type he said dna okay so that's where we kind of are with them um uh, and again really, Eve asking to break the law. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, Eve was like, Eve was like, well, I'm not sure that that's even, I'm not sure that legal. that's even legal. As if the, as if you care about that. Yeah, girl. Don't care. All right, so let's talk about Teresa, my fave, <laughs> my girl. bestie. Teresa is my bestie. All right, here we go. Here are the bullet points for Teresa. Teresa continues to contemplate telling Ethan the truth of his parentage. Teresa tells Ethan that if she married him, Luis would have nothing to do with her. Ethan says maybe they should end their relationship, but Teresa, of course, refuses. Ethan makes Gwen promise she will not tell Luis about his and Teresa's relationship, and she agrees, but Rebecca has other plans. Teresa plans to tell Luis about their relationship. Teresa plans to tell Luis about her relationship with Ethan before anyone else does. 
Rebecca tells Luis that Teresa is Ethan's mistress. And those are the bullet points of the of the week of this uh, storyline. So let's jump right in. So we pick up with Rebecca scheming to out Teresa to Luis. She's like, she tells Gwen, like, I really think that the best thing that we can do is to tell Luis um, that Teresa is with Ethan. Gwen, of course, is like, no, that won't work because then Ethan will be mad at us, right? (laughs) Like she she tells her mother like, no, I don't want that. That is not what I want. Rebecca, you know, Rebecca don't listen. Yeah. So meanwhile, Teresa is like praying to the Virgin Mary for a way for her to be able to be with Ethan without losing Luis's love. And then Pilar comes into the church and, um, and this is all happening at Sheridan's funeral to be clear so Pilar comes into church Teresa brings her up to speed she tells her Luis told me that he's going to I might as well be dead to him and that I would destroy our family if I entered into a relationship with Ethan this deeply upsets Pilar right because she's already lost her husband two of her kids are off god knows where and, um, she, you know, her, her family is crumbling before her eyes and she doesn't want to see two of her kids be estranged from each other. Right. And so, which they wouldn't be cause they live in the same house. Right. Like we Are still you have to kick Teresa together. out. <laughs> That's my thing though. This is Pilar's house. Louise can't kick Teresa out. Wow. It's Pilar's house. It's not Luis's house. It's Pilar's house. So, and it's Pilar's yeah. kid he can't he's not her father but that let's go on because we've been talking for a while so I want to get through this yes so um she brings her up to speed Pilar is very upset and Teresa is affected by Pilar's sadness and because she's like mama please don't cry I'll do anything you want please just please don't cry and then Pilar says well then give up Ethan and (laughs) Teresa's like well, I won't do, I'll do that. I won't do that. Like, that. I didn't mean that. That's not no. what I meant. <laughs> like, let's not be too hasty. Um, she's like, uh, I, you know, I, ugh, that's, yeah. that's a little too far, mama. That's a deal breaker. And I love. Meanwhile, Ethan and Gwen are talking about their future, like outside. And Gwen tells Ethan that she wants a rock solid marriage with him and hopes that he will like make his choice soon. And she says she's actually glad that he called off the wedding because she thinks that this like experiment will help them have a stronger marriage. Girl, whatever. You're in denial. Gwen is a mess. Gwen is a disaster human. She's a disaster. She needs therapy, not a husband right she yeah she's a disaster like the fact that she's like I want a rock solid marriage so I'm actually really glad that you cheated on me for months and then called off our wedding on our wedding day and then decided to date me and your other woman at the same time like do you hear how that sounds sounds stupid I mean this I mean she can't even hear herself so then uh, Ethan's like, I appreciate G- your understanding, Gwen. You're such a wonderful woman. And I just wish you didn't blame Teresa for everything because I'm the one who made the first move. Teresa never would have made a move on me if I hadn't opened the gate, basically. Um, which I can't say is true. Like, that's true. not true, Teresa. 
he's so dumb he doesn't even know how Teresa I'm not gonna say she manipulated him because she absolutely did not manipulate him I will take that to my grave I will die on that hill however she definitely made herself available and very clearly had like designs on him yeah right so but Gwen Gwen bites her tongue like the good little debutante she is she bites mm-hmm. her tongue because she just wants to make sure that Ethan thinks that she is just so wonderful and understanding and uh, even though she's a psychopath and um, then she, Ethan asks her I need you to promise me not to tell Luis about my relationship with Teresa and Gwen agrees and then she's like slightly offended she's actually offended that he would even suggest that she would do that because she says to him I want you to marry me for the right reasons not the wrong ones um and she goes I'm not that desperate (laughs) she says I'm not that desperate girl are you yes you are yes you are you are that desperate three d's three d's she is she is triple D's, desperate, dumb, and delusional. Yeah, she is triple D's. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so she agrees not to tell uh, Luis about the relationship. Uh, then Ethan goes back into the church to talk to Teresa. He runs into Teresa as she's leaving because she's upset. She's really upset. He runs into her. She's leaving, and they go outside. And she tearfully tells him that she can't stay at the funeral with him because she just realized how impossible their situation is. And then she says her family, because for the longest time, the issue has really been the cranes for her, right? She's like his family, everybody's saying his family will never allow it. His family will never, never allow it. Now it's her. But Ethan, but Ethan has made clear that he's going to marry whoever the fuck he wants to regardless, right? But Mm -hmm. now she's saying my family will never accept us being together and it will tear my family to pieces. And Ethan says, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe we should just end this now. I thought he was bluffing. I didn't think he was bluffing. I think he was making sense for the first time. I think he was making sense, like, for the first time where he's like, you know, this is harder work than it needs to be. I don't want to destroy your family and mine, right? I love Gwen. I do love Gwen. He keeps saying that. Like, this and maybe this is a sign that we should break up I think he was making perfect sense Teresa of course is like I can't I cannot accept this I refuse to accept this it's like no I don't want to break up with you like I'm gonna get this figured out I'm just saying I'm in an impossible situation I'm gonna get it figured out he's like well you've always said that fate brought us together but maybe fate is telling us that this isn't gonna work and she's like hell no fate's on my side I know that for a fact so they do not break up uh Teresa tells Ethan she's not going to lose him or her brother. And she says, if you propose to me, I will accept. And Luis will have to understand that I wouldn't marry someone who wasn't decent and kind. And uh, Ethan is like skeptical, but he seemed to agree to continue their keeping their relationship a secret for the time being. Right. But he does say he doesn't see how things will ever change. Um, 
And then Teresa's like, well, what if you weren't a crane? Like she did that again. She's yeah. been doing that every once in a while. And he just never picks up on it. He's like, what do you mean, Teresa? And then that's when they hear the commotion inside of the church where Louise is like beating up Pierre. So they go into the church. So yeah. that is that, you know, that's a non-starter. They don't even talk about it. Yeah. So after leaving the funeral, Teresa prays for guidance to like another statue, another saint. Um, asking what she should do about Ethan should she tell him that uh, he's Sam's son or not and she needs to know what to do and then she overhears Ethan talking about how different he is from his family after Luis makes that speech about how none of them care yeah. about Sheridan and he's like yeah no he's absolutely right and that there's no love in my family and sometimes I feel like I'm not even a part of this family kind of thing like how can I even be related to these unloving unfeeling people and she says to herself she's like what do I do so she consults with that random priest who is not Father Lon again I don't know like I don't know who this guy is she con consults with this random priest who is absolutely not Father Lonigan. And she tells him her situation, kind of. She's like, there's a woman who's kept this secret for many, many years from her son. And I, I now know the secret and I need to know what to do. And the priest tells her, talk to the woman because she's the one who kept the secret for many years. Now, okay. Like, it's good yeah, advice yeah, if you don't know. Yeah. It's good advice if you don't know the woman is Ivy Crane. Right, like it's good advice if you don't know that the that the woman is the most powerful woman in harmony. Woman, harmony, yeah. Yeah. So, um, she's like, you know what? That's exactly what I'm gonna do. Thank you, Father. Yeah. And so she like okay. skips over to she skips on over to Ivy. So happy, it's like I, I'm getting this figured out. And so she asks Ivy basically. Um, she tells Ivy, you know, I'm here because Ivy's like, why are you even here, Teresa? I'm surprised to see you here. She says, I'm here to support Ethan and my brother. Right. Ivy tells yeah, her, you know, Teresa, I, I know you love my, my son, but he and Gwen have a history that cannot be ignored. And he will one day take his rightful place as the head of the Crane family and the head of the Crane empire. Um, and Teresa says, you know, Ivy, what if Ethan wants to find himself and find out exactly who he is? And Pilar jumps in right like Pilar's uh, like oh this is a disaster let me come in here kind of these two people apart because Ivy's like my son knows who he is he's a crane and he's gonna be the head of the crane family and that's when Pilar's like pulls them apart kind of and says to Teresa to like give it up Ivy will destroy you stop doing this stop this nonsense now I beg you <laughs> um so then at the cemetery, Teresa and Ethan discuss how dis disastrous, what a disaster it would be if Luis found out about them from someone else. And so Teresa tells him, I'm going to tell Luis tonight. You're right. I have to tell him. I, he, I just have to pull the bandaid off. I'm going to do it tonight. And she says, as long as I'm completely honest with him, um, he hears it from me and no one else. It shouldn't be too bad. At the same time, Miss Rebecca, Ho Mrs. Rebecca Hotchkiss has decided to expose this whole thing, right? So yeah. uh, even though Gwen has told her in no uncertain terms, I, I do this it. is a bad idea. Do not say anything to Louise. So Sheridan's being lowered into the ground, poor thing, banging, screaming, poor thing. And Ethan is grappling with this issue like the feeling that he's lost Sheridan 
and that she's gone and now he's all alone. He's like, I'm alone. She was my confidant. I don't, now I don't, I will not, I won't have anyone to confide, confide in. I'm all alone. And Gwen goes, no, you won't be alone. You'll have your wife. Like she doesn't say you have me. She says, you'll have your wife right. and she'll help fill the hole that Sheridan left in your life. And together you will help keep her memory alive. And uh, he then looks at her and he's like, I know you want me to make a decision. I'm going to make my decision soon. Like, <laughs> okay. Uh, Rebecca makes her way over to Luis as everybody's leaving. Tells him, I've got something important to tell you. They're interrupted a couple of times, like, cause he's dealing with his um, grief, right? He's like, this is not a good time. I don't know what you want from me. And after some back and forth, she finally just blurts out your sister Teresa is Ethan's sorry Teresa is Ethan Crane's mistress she says it it's done it's out there it's done it's finished honey she that's it so that's where we leave it this week meanwhile Teresa is at home readying everything for to to tell Luis like she's making him his favorite meal he's trying to tell her not to do it yeah she's making his favorite meal She's put out like pictures of them when they were kids. She's pulled out old, um, old home movies from when they were kids. Like she wants to really butter him up, get him in a good space to understand that like, I love you, but I also love Ethan. She's doing all of this stuff, but it's all for naught because Rebecca has already, Already has already done it. So that's where we basically leave it this week. Whitney's there being being very Whitney, like yuck, do, putting her I, yuck all over everything. Yeah, I and, I have, I, and yeah, telling I Teresa like you're you're risking your family for a man who hasn't even can't even make up his mind about you, which is not completely wrong. Like she's not wrong, you know what I mean? Yeah, hold on, I I had a note on that. <laughs> Yeah, I said, Whitney, sometimes I think you're the smartest, dumbest woman on passions, even though you're not inspiring your friend to follow your dream, but yet you're trying, telling your friend the God-honest truth that there, but there's no need to yell at her. Okay. Yeah, there's no, there, that's right. There's no need to yell at her. She, yeah, she, I mean, she, she's not telling her anything that's necessarily wrong, but it's kind of the way she goes about it and how nasty but, yeah. she is about it, which is kind of the, the par for the course for Whitney these days which I hate I don't know whatever yeah. she's so sanctimonious and like stuck up I don't, yeah, I don't she, like it yeah and it's like why is like why are people so against the fact that Teresa can get what she wants and she has the right to get what she wants yeah I don't know but that's the show for today thank you everybody for listening okay. tuning in once again to our new format we're working out the kinks thank you yes. for sticking in there with me i i'm trying my best to keep this show up and running I, it is not an easy feat to do um so remember you can always catch well actually ashley once again remind everybody where they can find you uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, TV Movie Sparks 88. You can find me on Instagram, same name. And you can also find me on YouTube, TV Movie Sparks. All right. And I'll have, again, have a link in the description for all of Ashley's social media. And remember, you can always catch us on all the same social medias, Instagram, t- Twitter, Facebook. Uh, what's that other one? TikTok. TikTok. You can catch us on TikTok. <laughs> 
and uh, and YouTube as well. We have we do have a YouTube channel. So uh, thank you all for listening. And as always, you are my passion. <laughs> all right. 